0: Never. 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 We're meant to be together.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm stop. Um Yeah, so um what I wanted to tell you is I should listen to you, memes, because there were two things you said yesterday before we started watching Contagion. The first thing he said was, Aisha, it's like 10 PM. Won't you be scared? Should we watch it tomorrow? And I was like, No, it's fine. And then the second thing he <laughs> said as I like poured a glass of iced coffee was like, Should you be drinking coffee at this time? You have an addiction. And I was like, Stay out of my business. And then at 4 a.m. <laughs> I'm lying in bed, like wide awake. No. Scared. Of, <laughs> scared of contagion, which doesn't really have anyone like scary. Um, but I'm just like in bed. Like, what if the virus comes to my door and I can't sleep? And I've been up since then. So, wow. I we'll see. you know
0: I hope you've learned your lesson, but also that sucks.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Uh, oh, we're the worst. We are the worst. Uh, but we are also the hosts of. It's kind of a
0: funny story. Yeah, that's us. I'm Aisha. I'm Mariam. Each week, we're going to dive into moments in history where pop culture and politics collide. Woo! All right, it's been quite a week, Aisha. Um, a, week. A, lot is, a lot is going on in the world. Um, I think, especially for us, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, Kamala Harris's nomination um, yeah. to be the vice president um, next to Joe Biden for, for the uh, November election, which is super historic, super exciting. Um, first um, you know, female VP candidate on a major party ticket, first yeah. black VP candidate on a major party ticket, First, Asian American on a uh, major party ticket, so super, super exciting. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so so with all those firsts comes a lot of racism, which Yay. <laughs> surprises none of us. After our first only different episode, I feel like we now know what to expect. But um, how has it been like from the Indian American community um, when it comes to Kamala? It's it's interesting. Um, so
0: brown Twitter like had so much fun with it. Um, I think like there was, a, there was a huge chunk of people who just like got really excited about like, oh, Kamala, like Auntie Kamala about to bring like Churia to uh, the White House or uh, Auntie Kamala about to break out Italy sombre for like, you know, um, for events. And like, and people were just like the idea that like Indian things could be happening in the White House was like, people just had like a, like a great time with it.
1: Um, but I think I also really enjoyed. Sorry, just quickly, I really enjoyed yeah. the memes that were like because she was the first like Indian American uh, VP candidate, and I love the memes that like implied that like Bobby Jindal and Nikki Haley are like <laughs> crying somewhere in the corner because they wanted it to be them. Um, I thought that was fun. It
0: could have been May, um, <laughs> is what they're singing somewhere in the corner. Um, yeah, I <laughs> people. So people are really excited in that way. I think um, that was sort of like the initial reaction, but there's also always been like this um, really frustrating uh, narrative that goes on, not just around Kamala Harris, but around a lot of uh, high profile Indians. So like Mindy Kaling has had this, um, even Priyanka Chopra, um, all of these, uh, you know, South Asian stars and people saying like, well, they're not Indian enough. Um, And that's just such a frustrating sentiment for me, like, And what does that even mean? Exactly. Right. Like I actually, I was reflecting this morning. I wrote a piece um, for our college newspaper, which I had like forgotten that I did um, about, yeah, about being South Asian and about how there had been a critique of um, an organization that I was uh, running uh, in school, uh, the South Asian society and how there was a critique of how, if you weren't a token South Asian, you would be excluded from this group. Oh and God, I wrote I an, an entire, this. remember this? Was this was
1: dramatic. Oh my this goodness, was, I remember. It. Okay, yeah. This
0: was <laughs> a fascinating, a fascinating time. But like my response to that was, show me a perfect South Asian. I was like, you know, if you are looking for a token South Asian, you fundamentally disunder- like, don't understand like what that part of the world looks like, which is incredibly diverse um, in terms of language, religion, um, sort of cultural practices, everything. History, um, yeah. Yeah, so to me, I'm, I, I also uh, personally struggle with it because I'm a white passing Indian, or at least like I don't look classically Indian to a lot of people, even though I'm fully Indian. Uh, I'm Muslim, which is to a lot of people confusing. Um, like they, I think my experience was invalidated many times because um, I'm not Hindu, which is what most people assume um, Indians would be. And especially right now, that's a huge issue, right? A lot of, we, this can be a
1: separate episode i want but, this to be a separate episode yeah yeah
0: but yeah how like modi has created um actual laws that have made um indian muslims unable to stay indians um, or they are being thrown in concentration camps um and it's it's a huge problem even if you're indian uh if you're muslim you're suddenly not considered indian enough um you know i so i, I didn't have a lot of what other people would consider quote typical indian experiences but i'm i'm indian and i've had to like constantly remind myself um, that I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Uh and uh yeah, so I think I can understand Kamala's frustration, especially given that the other half of her culture is uh being black, which is a like Indians are super racist and very anti-black. And I can understand if her as a half black, half Indian woman uh struggles with the Indian side of her culture. I don't know if that's true, but I would understand if that was happening. So I just like find the whole narrative around like not being Indian enough to be fundamentally not understanding what it means to be Indian. So that's my soapbox on it. I just, oof, really makes me mad.
1: It also like puts in extra obstacles for her as a human being to try and prove herself to certain communities, which I don't think she needs to do if she's just very sure of herself. Um, I I will say like there's been so much like birtherism like resurfaced Mm -hmm. over the past couple of days since she was announced like people saying oh her father was uh jamaican and her mother was indian and so therefore she's not african-american and even though she was born in this country she is she eligible to be president which is some birth rubbish that is like straight out of like reconstruction like you know if you're not born in this country as like a free person then yeah. you um then you, like your children aren't eligible like it, it's this is where it all comes from and so for um a lot of people trying to figure out who she is like I think like this is the problem with being first only different is that like a a lot of people like put the burden on you to to constantly explain yourself yeah and that that becomes a distraction to your actual work it becomes a distraction to like what you actually want to do the coalitions you want to build and the communities you want to serve um so I'm excited to see how it will go with her she's like I mean she's pretty accomplished she's quick on her feet like she's a you know interesting interrogator she has like such a long career in uh in law um and she seems to have a really big fan base as well like the k hive they are
0: they are are alive and strong they Um, never went away and i think she i think she doubled joe biden's uh like donation like uh record of like how many donations he would get in a day i think he she like doubled his record um after she was named his vice president. So I, yeah, you're right. I think there's definitely the fan base. Um, and you are, I think to our first only different episode, if you haven't listened to it, it's really helpful. You should it's go really back and listen to it. framework, yeah. Mm-hmm. But of, we can critique Kamala Harris's history on certain issues, like absolutely. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't not examine it, but at the same time, like we have to uh, be thoughtful about how we do that because it is very easy to fall into the traps of um kind of using a framework uh, using a racist or misogynistic framework um, yeah to to critique her her history and her what she's done um and like the way she carries herself and all this stuff it's gonna be like like the way i I always think about how she we have this like fake um, we have well, i'm gonna say it's the fake American dream because it's not uh, access like accessible to everybody mm-hmm. um but um she like lived you know theoretically what that is where she like pulled herself up from her bootstraps daughter of immigrants committed her career to serving her community rose to the political ranks super intellectual super witty super um you know smart uh really engaged um but and and so like if she was you know arguably if she was a white man or if she really had uh, many other profiles apart from the one that she does we would be celebrating that and saying like she is the ultimate american because she like did that thing we say that that is the American country is here for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But the entire thing is going to get twisted. Like you said, even just the fact that she's daughter of immigrants has spurred like a really counterproductive.
1: It's not the conversation conversation we need to be having. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, there are legitimate criticisms of her. Like you can criticize like her prosecutor, her history as a prosecutor. You can criticize, you know, her time in the Senate. Like maybe you think that she hasn't done enough to consider running for national office. Um, You can, you know, you can criticize maybe her campaign and how it was run. And I think those are legitimate criticisms. But from what I've seen in the past four days, it's gone. F- like there's some people being like, she's tied to Wall Street and she's also a socialist and she also wasn't born here. And it's all this stuff and it's, it's, none of it is sticking because um, a lot of her opponents haven't figured out that, you know, if you want to criticize her properly, the criticisms are there. You, you can make those arguments. Yeah, you can make substantial. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't fall into like racist trap um trap holes is that the word trap
0: that sounds like the phrase
1: okay english is my first language let's do it um
0: (laughs) but yeah i think um it's gonna be a exhausting couple of months it already has been a couple of exhausting couple of days but um yeah i think that we are allowed to critique but i think i'm overall very excited um really curious to see how the next couple of weeks goes. Um, I think I'm very excited for, like everybody else, uh, Harris-Pence
1: debate. I'm actually scared of that. So at first I was like, Harris-Pence is gonna be really fun. But then, I don't know. I feel like Pence could pull something that makes her look like a bully to him. I don't know. He's a grown man, but he also calls his wife mother. So I, I I just feel like something is coming from him. Like, I'm nervous. (laughs)
0: Well, So here's the thing, like these debates, at least this year, are not really going to be about swaying people to one corner or the other. I think at this point, like um, I think maybe even I think people are going to be thinking more about like if there's anybody who's on the fence, um, I think the Trump Biden debate are going to be more deciding factors on that than like the Kamala Harris, Mike Pence debate. Um, I think that's going to become pure entertainment because like people who are really entrenched in either camp are like. going to to get a kick out of well i think the kamala camp is going to get a kick out of it because um i think there's something like uh because one of the uh videos that surfaced when she was uh being announced was her at the kavanaugh hearings right and like how the way she went after him in this like very almost like cinematic like cold like exactly what you would imagine a prosecutor to do, um, it just was, there was something cathartic about it, right? Like she was tapping into a lot of feelings that we were having, and I think she's always been very good at that, in like that, um, really, uh, witty and really cutting thing that she can do. she like taps, yeah, 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 she really taps into something that we're all feeling right now, so I think she's gonna get up there and like, yeah, she's gonna be tough on him, and we're all gonna, it's gonna be a magical experience for all of us, um, <laughs> I don't think it's i don't think that debate is going to be the thing that swings people i think that's going to be more because i think people's bigger concern is if biden is like quote unquote all all there um and so they want to see how he performs against trump um i think that's where people's decisions are going to be made in terms of like a debate platform
1: okay well looking forward to it everyone please you know if you're gonna vote absentee just um, request your absentee yeah. ballots now, do it as soon as you can. And if you are disappointed by the Kamala news or even just the Biden news, then like find a, a down ballot race that you're really interested in and support that. I think like yeah. there's a there's a tendency to just like give up when you feel like your candidate didn't get the vote or didn't get the nomination. But I think you can channel that anger into just, okay, I'm gonna look for a lower ballot ticket that I really, really support. and I'm, Or I'm going to go like fight, try and fight the race in like Pennsylvania. Um, and you can focus your energy on there instead of just being mad about it. Yeah. Although one thing I am kind of mad about, like, okay, I had my own, um, I had my own person in the primaries, but a secret part of me was hoping that Cory Booker would <laughs> make it on the ticket because then we would have either first or second lady Rosario Dawson. Because <gasps> you know they're dating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and she like lives in Newark dating, with him. And I'm like, in my fun. mind, I'm dating Cory Booker, so like I forget <laughs> that she's there. <laughs>
1: Rosario Dawson is there. Um, no one knows why, but she's there. And I wouldn't it be fun, Rosario Dawson in the White House? It would be. It, could it be would like, be so fun. She would screen um, like Men in Black Two, like in the White House cinema room. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, we're eating
0: idli somber in the uh, White House soon. Like, who knows? Who knows? It's going to happen. I think the other the other thing I, I want to say before we we close out this topic is I saw. sentiment that was really helpful which is that um this election and like generally voting and like supporting candidates isn't about like finding your perfect person i think it's about every election and every leader is part of a larger journey to getting to where you want the country to be like no matter who it was like even if it had been if you were like a bernie supporter if you were a liz warren supporter no matter who it would have been that President would never have gotten us all the way to where we all wish we could be as a country. Every president just has to get us a step closer and has to you know make the kind of fundamental policy changes that get us to where we want to be long term. Um, that's what this election is about. It's about continuing to like move us in the direction we need to go in, um, and it's not about finding your perfect candidate like. I think we can all agree. I don't no think there's any such thing exists. As a perfect yeah,
1: I think you're always going to have an issue with somebody, and and that's okay. There's going to be like you already see like uh, criticisms with someone like AOC from the, from like the left side of yeah. uh, politics, and I'm like, okay, like no, there's never going to be someone that we all think is perfect, and you just yeah. kind of have to work towards like pushing people a certain way or like advocating a certain way, and just trying to figure out your own politics um, and policy in this broken, broken system that we, uh, that we participate uh, in. Um, but what's the topic for this week? So the topic actually for this week uh, is
0: not uh, Kamala Harris, maybe one day, but um, well, probably one day. But this week we're talking about uh, anti-vaxxers actually and the role that celebrities have played in the anti-vax movement. Um, kind of given the world we live in, um, we thought it would be an interesting topic to dig into. Uh, and Aisha and I are incredibly prepared. Last night, Studious. starting way too late, <laughs> yeah, we decided <laughs> to watch Contagion. Um, Aisha was on her whatever like fourth cup of coffee. Um, and, we watched it uh, at 10
1: p.m. at night, which is way past my bedtime.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, it was quite an experience. I, neither of us had seen it, right? Neither of us. No, had seen that I
1: movie. didn't. Yeah, I just knew everyone at the beginning of isolation, like in March, was watching it. Like, oh my gosh, this is so this is so real. Um, so yeah, we watched it. My immediate reaction, I'm actually going to steal from um, a review I saw. Uh, someone said, the scariest thing about Contagion, Jude Law's teeth. <gasps> and
0: his accent that went with it. His it accent. Just, his... I mean, uh, the, he, I, to his credit, he did a phenomenal job. Like, he was just the most disgusting human. He was the worst um, person he was in the, the whole worst. movie. Like,
1: all the of like mannerisms,
0: his accents, ugh.
1: Oh, there's gonna be uh contagion spoilers the movie came out in 2011 so apologies if you haven't seen it but um he was his character is basically like a grifter who noticed the um that there was oh the, uh, that there was like a virus going around and he basically wanted to take advantage of that he was like a bit of a truther he was uh proclaiming that like the cdc was lying and like the us like is lying yeah. to its citizens and then he basically concluded that, like, this drug, what was it, For, forsythia, forsythia. forsythia, kind of the way that, like, hydroxychloroquine is being peddled now, but, like, he was like, forsythia is what will cure you, and he lied to all of his, like, uh, followers and said he actually got the disease and was cured by forsythia, and it turns out it was all, like, a complete lie, so he was, like, like, everyone else in the movie, there there wasn't really, like, a hero or a villain in the movie, like, everyone there were so many different characters all doing different things. But like of all the characters, I was like, this guy is the worst. He
0: was so like, I, I don't think I had as much anxiety about the movie as, as, as you did. The like, because for me, I, I mean, I, but I was also actively the entire time reminding myself 25% death rate and like they're acting like it's a zombie apocalypse. And like, it's a whole different level of craziness in the movie. Um, So, but the thing that like really actually triggered my anxiety was Jude Law because, so this is like a little different, but like one of the reasons that I love true crime is because the way that I externalize my anxiety is like projecting it on these like ridiculous, horrible situations, um, which don't, they feel so far removed from your own life, which is like why people like me are crazy and love true crime. But there's like certain topics that like feel too close to home, which is like, like why like um, Adnan Saeed's like serial story, like really upset me um just because he was like a nice Muslim dude with like the same name as my uncle and I was like this is too real watching Jude Law's character like s- like peddle these lies and like actually get people killed because of it felt yeah. super triggering because that's how the administration is like treating coronavirus um and I was like oh this is oh yeah that was frustrating
1: I, I wish I'd read more about like, so it's a Steven Soderbergh movie. I wish I'd read more about his research into it because he seemed to pretty much get right. What, what, what happened in 2020 with coronavirus, like how it would spread and how certain governments would react. And, um, I, the difference between coronavirus and the virus that, uh, that like took place in contagion that in contagion like once you got the virus it was pretty likely that you would die and also there was like a 25 percent um, infection rate which is really high like one yeah. in four people in the U.S. at least would contract the disease and die so it definitely like escalated it's like a zombie apocalypse like people like killing people for Scythia. people breaking into people's homes There was a really sweet story with like Matt Damon and his daughter, who really just wanted to hang out with her like teenage boyfriend, but like he could not be like Matt Damon could not be sure that like she wouldn't get the the virus from him. So it was just this really complicated thing. The thing I found most interesting about at the end of Contagion, when um, a vaccine is created, the way they disperse it amongst Americans at least is um, by birthday. There's a lottery, and they literally just pick. Okay, March fourteenth. Will be the first day, like people born on March fourteenth, yeah. will be the first set of people to get the vaccine, and it's it's like that, and there's also like a secondary story about like um, a a place in rural China, um, and uh, that is worried that they won't get the vaccine on time if it's made by the U.S. and distributed by the U.S. And I, it almost it just made me think, okay, if a coronavirus vaccine does come, like who will get it first? You know, mm. how will it be distributed? Like, will it really be by birthdays or will it be like if you have health insurance what happens if you don't have health insurance or you are uh, experiencing homelessness like things like that um i found really interesting from the film and i wonder if there's like a director's commentary uh
0: i didn't see anything that robust i saw one article by uh my understanding was he was the one of the uh, medical advisors on the show and he was just generally talking about coronavirus from And this article came out in March and it was just generally like a, you know, obviously not everything is accurate, but generally like wash your hands and like be safe. And a lot of the articles around Contagion were the March, like as you have referred to it, season one of coronavirus. Um, Season (laughs) one of coronavirus.
1: The um, Vanessa um,
0: Hudgens. People may die. People may die, but like people die anyway. It's inevitable. That was season one. Season one. Um, Oh, hey, Vay. But yeah, so I think um, the other thing from that movie, though, was uh they didn't actually really focus on elect uh, they didn't focus on elected officials at all they really just focused on doctors and public health officials like except yeah. for the one briefing where like there are some people on screens um and you don't even know like they don't even focus on whoever the american president is um it's all like cdc leadership and stuff like that which i thought was really cool um and uh the so the the doctor who did uh consult on contagion and who wrote a piece in march was like we moved like the the officials like the fictitious uh officials from the movie moved a lot faster than we did in america um like fauci is amazing and has a lot of integrity and like is amazing but um th- like they hustled a lot harder in the movie which it certainly seemed like they did like yeah. i feel like they did so much in 36 hours um and obviously we don't work at the cdc we don't know actually what was going down there but uh, the scale of the response and the um, speed of the response definitely seemed a lot more robust in the movie in than the what movie. we've seen in this country. <laughs> which, it, which scares me a little bit. But um,
1: all together, good movie. One of his best. Yeah. Soderbergh.
0: I know. I kind of want to see a couple of his, of his other ones now. I don't know if I've seen many of his movies. You have. But... I
1: mean, Ocean's Eleven to Thirteen. Oh, yeah. That's him. Forgot and that was him. Magic Mike. It's also him. How could I forget?
0: <laughs> how could i forget you're right how could you you're forget? right
1: Aaron brockovich also him. also a great one that's a good um, one. I love. bossy yeah. women who are dealing with law and litigation it's like a great genre of films <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right um so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna actually get into the history of vaccines and the anti-vax movement and what role celebrities have played in uh the whole narrative so see you see in a soon. second
1: Okay, everyone, welcome back. So uh, we are going to go back to high school biology here because we are just going to get to the bottom of what vaccines are, just to state the facts. So, um, Miriam, I'm going to give you the definition I read on the CDC website earlier this week. I know, it's great, great research on my end. Uh, But essentially, vaccines um, contain the same germs that cause disease. A vaccine stimulates your immune system to produce antibodies, exactly like it would if you were exposed to the disease. But because vaccines contain only killed or weakened form of germs, they do not cause the disease or put you at risk of its complications. So unlike most medicines that treat or cure diseases, vaccines prevent them. Once a person is immunized, specific immune cells called memory cells prevent reinfection when they encounter Mm -hmm. the disease again in the future. And um, also a really important topic to to mention is also herd immunity or community immunity. Yeah. It's when enough people are vac- vaccinated against a certain disease, the germs can't travel as easily from person to person, and then the entire community is less likely to get the disease. So if a person does get sick, there's also less chance of an outbreak because it's harder for the disease to spread. So like we're always kind of aiming for herd immunity um, when it comes to diseases.
0: Yeah. And the number is something that it's like between 90 and 95%, basically, is where you're trying to get to of like, in terms of population being resistant to something, um, which is like why this like anti-vax thing is actually super dangerous. Um, it's not just about like, it's not following science, but it's also you're putting the larger community at risk because you're like lowering that number. Um, yeah. If we are trying to get to the
1: 90s and you're trying to get to like a 90 to 95% of the population vaccinated, that 5% is probably people who, you know, for, because of underlying conditions can't be vaccinated or can't um, take the vaccination. Or I know like Jehovah's Witnesses for religious reasons also don't take vaccinations Mm -hmm. and those people are accounted for. But what what the people who aren't accounted for are people who just on the basis of like a belief that vaccines don't work, don't want to take it. Take it. And that's why it's kind of risky. Uh, the World Health Organization, um, really important organization in this in this field of study, um, it, it counts immunization as a component of primary health care and a human right. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that immunization prevents two to three million deaths every year from diseases like measles, diphtheria, polio, the flu. And it's not just children that have to take vaccines. Um, it's also, you know, you can do booster shots, for example, for tetanus yep. when you're much older. And it's really important to remember that there are so many people around the world, including nearly 20 million infants per year, who have ins- insufficient access to vaccines. And we won't get into this today, but I know when I was growing up and learning about vaccinations and biology, the, the focus was on the fact that like, there are many people in the world who will do whatever they can to make sure their child gets a vaccination and there's actually like they will like fight people or they'll pay whoever and it's interesting you know when you look at the anti-vax movement in the US and the UK especially it's it's, it's such a flip people who yeah. have easy access to vaccines and just don't want to take them um, and we will get into that yeah um, I think that this and uh,
0: this ties into the Larger question to me of sort of, it's a very American attitude to be resistant to um, simple measures that are good for everybody just because you don't want to do it. Um, I don't know, like, if you have found this in other parts of the world, Aisha, like, you've lived, you know, outside of the States, but, like, when I think about the mask debate happening right now, and, like, debate is, like, such a frustrating word. It's, like, not a debate. Masks prevent the spread of coronavirus, Um, and... I just, it's become, like, this weird battleground of, like, individual freedom is, like, this cloth mask. Um, and to me, I just, like, it's such a deeply rooted American thing where it's, like, it's no coincidence it's the same people who are, like, my First Amendment right means I should be able to say racist things and no one gets mad at me, or people who don't understand, like, what, what the right to bear arms, like, where that really comes from, or, um, you know, it's just, like, this weird paradox of, like, patriotism to me, where in America, we say um, America's number one, like everything should be about like the good of America, but we're also really individualistic society and you're actually only supposed to be thinking about yourself. Like you can't be like America's the strongest country in the world and then like refuse to do something that's good for America because you don't wanna do it. Um, And so I just like this collectivist culture versus individual culture around vaccines, around masks, around like any kind of public health issue um, is just, it's. It scares me because it's so deeply rooted in American psyche. Like, I don't know how you unravel that apart from just forcing people to do it like you would an impetuous child. It's like, a, if a child's throwing entanglement is like, I don't want to eat my peas, you're like, well, you're going to eat them anyways. Like,
1: you have and to. And then eat they them. get used
0: to it. And then they're like, oh, I guess that wasn't so bad. Or like, they get over it because they get used to it.
1: Well, and it's also the framing, right? I, I mean, I know what you mean by individual culture. Like, you know, my right is, it's my right not to wear the mask. But the thing about the mask is it's it's something more akin to, like, seatbelts. It's, like, yeah, it's not about just your right. Like, w- like, if you refuse to wear a mask, why do you wear seatbelts? Why do you, you know, why do you take the precautions that the state has to, why, why do you have a driver's license? Like, why yeah. do you listen to what the state has um advocated for you to do to keep you safer and with masks on top of that like you you're not only endangering yourself you could be endangering other people and yeah. it's it's interesting that it's framed as like an individual right sort of thing when i think it's it's far bigger than that and actually i i think that a reframing of the idea would be really helpful um but that that has not been done
0: yeah um anyways i should, tell us about so in terms of How we got vaccines to be quite common um i don't know if you can speak to some of the early history of this of how celebrities were were involved involved in
1: the vaccine movement yeah Yeah.
0: it's really interesting
1: well especially in the u.s i found some really interesting um anecdotes like benjamin franklin during the revolutionary revolutionary war was an advocate for variolation which is Mm -hmm. it's not vaccination it's the practice of purposefully infecting a person with the smallpox virus under controlled conditions in order to confer immunity by a mild form of the disease. So it's like an earlier form of vaccinations. Yeah. Vaccines hadn't been created yet. And it's because he lost a child to smallpox. So it was really personal for him. And he was mm-hmm. such a, like, an inventor and like a creator. So he really advocated for it. And um, George Washington listened to him. And then during the polio epidemics in the US in the 1930s, like, because uh, President Roosevelt also suffered from polio, there was like a campaign called the March of Dimes, um, where like, people mailed over 2.5 million d- dimes to the president. Um, and raised tens of millions of dollars in that way to like, in the efforts to find a vaccine. And it was actually Elvis Presley. who I love this story. We, I know it's really cool. He received the um, the first like Salk vaccine against polio as like a public display of support. So it was interesting that like the U S government and like the health officials involved used him as like a celebrity influencer in 1956 um, to receive the shot. And yeah yeah and then about 75 percent of americans under 20 had received at least one polio shot by august of 1957 which is like so quick yeah and that number rose up to 90 percent by september 1961 so you know there is like celebrity influence here and then um finally in the 1980s roald dahl um the problematic author (laughs) um just uh some of our faves, but also had some views. Um, but he was an advocate of the measles vaccine after the death of his daughter yeah. um, from the disease. Oh, actually, about Roald Dahl. Did you know his, like, great-grandson recently got married to someone in the royal family? I did not know that. I don't know much about Roald Dahl. He's, like, I mean, there's there's a lot to get into, and maybe we'll do an episode on that. But um, it was really interesting. Like, his, like, offspring just popped up, like, got married during isolation,
0: to a princess
1: in the royal family it was a really small event like only like this is like
0: very recent
1: yeah very Um, recent very very recent um I think like Charles and Camilla showed up and like I think Andrew was there but no pictures were taken of him (laughs) Um, he's like a vampire
0: doesn't appear in pictures anymore
1: (laughs) (laughs) everyone does like the classic English thing of just pretending the problem isn't in the room they can't see it (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, so that's like kind of a short history of like celebrity involvement in like vaccination movements and vaccination attempts. Um, but um, the anti-vax movement has been around just as long as the pro-vaccination movement. Yeah. That's also, I thought it was a more recent thing until I, I really dove into some of the research. So in 1853 in England, the, the vaccination act of eight, uh, uh, the vaccination act was passed basically mandated vaccinations for infants up to three months old. And immediately a, a group called the Anti-Vaccination League and the Anti-Compulsory Vaccination League formed in response to the law. And uh, there were demonstrations in the town of Leicester in 1885, like 80 to 100,000 anti-vaxxers showed up to the demonstrations. And um, the reasons people gave for being so opposed is because like the original smallpox vaccine that was being administered mm-hmm. um, were created from cowpox experiments like they took um right they took basically list. they took something from like cows to put in the vaccine to administer to children because it was like a milder form of the vaccine so people were like oh we don't want something taken from an animal it could be dangerous and there were also like complaints about like individual liberty like it's my right not to be vaccinated against this Mm -hmm. dangerous disease My favorite Um, And then in the U.S., the Anti-Vaccination Society of America was founded in 1879. Um, In 1902, after a smallpox outbreak, um, the Board of Health of Cambridge, Massachusetts, mandated that everyone should get the vaccination. And a resident refused, saying he had the right to care for his own body. Um, And in turn, the city filed criminal charges against him. And his case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the court ruled in the state's favor, but it was like, I, like this case was kind of like the beginning of like the history of like courts ruling in like public health cases. Right, right, uh, the, right. Well, the U S Supreme court, um, it's concerning the power of States in public health law. This was like their first case. So I don't know. Did you, did you always think like the anti-vax movement was something more recent or does this surprise yeah. you in any
0: way? I definitely thought it was more of a recent history thing. I mean, it makes sense that people were, um, up in arms about it always. We love to be up in arms about stuff, but what was interesting, what actually just stood out to me of what you said was the anti-compulsory vaccination league. Like this idea of like, we're not against vaccines. We just like, don't think we should have to do vaccines. And that's like such, that has been an argument from anti-vaxxers for so long. Like it's one of these things of like, do not be fooled by someone who's like, we're not necessarily anti-vaccine. We just think we should have the right to make, um, what was Jessica Beale's line. Um, I should have like the right to make like educated decisions for my family's health or whatever. Um, and this idea and like using this like kind of line shows a fundamental misunderstanding of like what vaccines are good for to what we were saying earlier, half of the reason you get a vaccine is to create herd immunity. That's how you actually stop the spread of diseases. Yeah. So they like, well, no, like if you want to vac- like vaccinate your kid, that's fine. But I, I don't feel like I should have to it means you literally don't understand the purpose of vaccines. Um,
1: and, you and so like, it's interesting to help you.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. They use that line as early as. Um, the 1800s of like we're just like against like forcing people to do it.
1: Um, yeah, and so the more recent movements um, against vaccinations. This I actually did a high school project on this guy. So um, in 1998, a doctor named Andrew Wakefield published an article in the Lancet. The landsat in the UK. It's like a prestigious medical journal. It's like the big one. Um, in the journal, he argued that there's a possible relationship between bowel disease, autism and the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, also known as the MMR vaccine. And the media really seized on the stories. Like there were loads of things like, this jab could kill your child, you know, like Daily Mail, kind of The Sun, that kind of, um, what's it called? Reactionary like headlines. And so that was in 1998 and he got like some small celebrity from that. But in 2004, The Lancet stated that it should not have published the paper. The general medical council which is an independent regulator in the uk found that wakefield had a fatal conflict of interest because he had been paid by a law board to find out if this evidence was there which you know if you're like a medical professional and you're being paid to prove evidence then you've that that constitutes fraud in some ways because you're always going to try yeah. and like lean a certain way and uh this law board um, was working on litigation on a litigation case by parents who believed that the vaccine had harmed their children. In 2010, the Lancet formally retracted the paper and Wakefield was struck from the medical register in Britain and he, cannot, he can no longer practice medicine there. Wow. Which, which is also huge. Like taking away your That's medical a license. Deal. Yeah. It's like you've done the worst thing. And then in in 2011, the British Medical Journal, which is another medical journal, journal, published a series of essays outlining evidence that he had committed scientific fraud by falsifying data and also because he hoped to financially profit from his investigations. A large number of studies have been conducted to assess the MMR vaccine, and none of them has been found to find a link between the vaccine and autism.
0: To your point, like to have your uh, medical license stripped, to be um, formally denounced by everybody, to have been- By your profession, yeah. Yeah, to be have, bound to be like having committed scientific fraud. Like, we'll touch on this like a little bit later, but when we use the um, word debate to discuss the vaccinations, like vaccination debate, it's not a debate. We've completely debunked his study. We've debunked the link to autism um, and- but we keep calling it a debate, which is kind of part of the problem of celebrities keeping it that way. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, clearly uh, this is a really strong reaction from the medical and scientific community. And that should that should have been the end of it, clearly.
1: Honestly, this is what the medical and scientific community is constantly trying to, to push away because I think a lot of like, media and publications love to treat it like you said as a debate like one side is as equal as the other and it's just differing opinions but but the medical and scientific society is like no there are like 99 percent of us that believe this way and this is you know that like uh vaccines are necessary and they do not there's there isn't a a link between vaccines and autism and but for some reason when the two sides are like are, are compared it makes it seem like um Andrew Wakefield and his supporters have like equal weight. Yeah. And the thing is what a lot of the studies, um, I remember reading about this, like it just is, it just happened to be that when you took the vaccine was around when signs of autism would appear in young right. children. So it was one of those things where it just it like correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, I guess. Um, it doesn't mean that that's the reason your child is developing signs of autism. Um, but I mean, two decades later, and Andrew Wakefield is a certified celebrity. Like, he's moved to the U.S. He's dating Elle McPherson, who's a former supermodel. He, like, is living his life. That's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so maddening that he was, like, shunned from his whole profession, and then he was like, I'm just going to go to the States and peddle my nonsense there. And it's worked. He has support. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's wait, basically... Is he dating
0: Elle McPherson?
1: Yeah. I'm that's what I read, her, at least.
0: I'm oh no, she separated from her spouse in 2017. I was like, she's married. No, she separated. She must be he- dating this dude now that she's separated. Yep. She's now dating discredited British ex- exposition and anti-vax <laughs> activist, Andrew Wakefield.
1: Um, I mean, there it is. And the worst part is that his wife at the time, like when he was being discredited and like pulled into courts and pulled into meetings and like, he was all over the tabloids. His wife at the time was like a staunch, like I'm gonna support my man. Like, don't come from my man. Like, you know, I'm like ride or die. I'm here, baby. And he was like, deuces. I'm going to go to America and date a model. And that's I mean, we why knew he was trash. Men.
0: Yeah, you know, we already could see that he was trash. And this is just like really completes his brand. Um, but, yeah. I also like that on uh, Wikipedia they have not even given him an exact age. They give Ooh. his age, age 62 to 63. They <laughs> <laughs> haven't. They just say. Somewhere in there. Wikipedia refuses to to age him. I love it. It's just...
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Um, that's that's interesting. There's a whole section, fringe medicine and science. That's where he's been categorized. So Wikipedia is doing their part to be a little bit... Uh,
1: you never want fringe, me, fringe, uh, fringe medicine and science to be part of your Wikipedia page. No. You know, you don't want that there. That and um, legal controversies... Whenever oh, you like yeah. go on a separate yeah, yeah, page yeah, yeah, and you like yeah. click on legal controversies, um, and you're like, oh, there's a lot, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of like a short history of like the anti-vax movement, at least, uh, like how it kind of built up in the past. Like, there's always been this opposition there, but most recently the MMR vaccine issue in the U, the UK, like was so mind blowing to so many people that it eventually mm-hmm. drifted to the US and like to other countries where they're like, oh, is this true? And I guess my final thought on this, and we will definitely, it'll pro- I'll probably come back around when we talk about like what's happening today, but I, I really find it interesting that, that some people would rather not vaccinate their child than find out that their child suffers from autism. It's something I just cannot compute because if you do have a child and they do suffer from autism, you're gonna love them no matter what and yeah. I can't imagine um uh like like being autistic and understanding that there are people in the world who'd rather their children die f- from being unvaccinated yeah. than um show any signs of autism and i I don't know it it hurts me every time, and i I never know how to compute it i don't I don't think that's a good way to really think about like children's health, yeah and andrew wakefield you know is going to the bad place i'm sure of it
0: yeah and like a lot of that we'll talk about it yeah like like you said but celebrities saying that like you basically saying you broke my kid um is just like such a devastating um thing uh and such a damaging narrative to put out into the world on every level so um we'll take a break and when we come back we'll talk about yeah the things that celebrities love to say as if they're public health officials and know anything. (laughs) (laughs) See you soon. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, So I'm going to kind of talk through, yeah, the role that celebrities have played in more recent history uh, around keeping the anti-vax Uh, conversation alive. So um, a couple of notable examples. Um, So in 2007, uh, MTV star Jenny McCarthy appeared on Oprah to say that, quote, her mommy instinct told her that the measles, mumps, rubella, MMR vaccine you were just talking about had caused her son's autism. Um, So that's fun. Um, Did you
1: know that Jenny McCarthy is related to Melissa McCarthy? That's something I just really. Yeah. I had um, no idea.
0: I just consider Jenny McCarthy the ultimate B-list celebrity where you like see her face every, like you see her you, face everywhere and you're like, oh, that person. She's like the ultimate, oh, that person kind of face.
1: She's a who. She's definitely a who. I'm trying to think if yeah, there's yeah. anything else I've seen her in that I would know. No, just the mass Singer. She's, yeah. She's been like That's a lot it. of
0: like episodes of, like she was in an episode of Charmed that I really enjoyed. Ooh. She like, was also,
1: like, wasn't she married to Jim Carrey or, like, dating Jim Carrey or something? That's or how Charlie he became.
0: Sheen? Was she also involved with Charlie Sheen or am I imagining that?
1: I think she was. Let's um see.
0: She feels I like she, she was, she fell into that. Oh, crowd. no, I think she was
1: just in an episode of Two and a Half Men and there were rumors, but I don't oh, think okay. she. But like, she got Jim Carrey really into anti-vax stuff, too. He's, like, really into it now. Anyway, sorry for... Interrupting. No, no, Continue. important,
0: important. Let's, let's paint a picture of who's even having these conversations. Um, <laughs> so this is Jenny McCarthy saying that her mommy instinct uh, tells her that the MMR vaccine gave her son autism. Um, so science journalist Seth uh, Newkin wrote a book called The Panic Virus, uh, and he estimated that that Oprah appearance of McCarthy's, uh, her message reached 15 to 20 million viewers because it was also like reshared on Larry King Live and Good Morning America, she like really put that message out into the world. So yeah. millions and millions and millions of Americans heard her say this. Um, the other famous example from recent history is from 2019. Um, so very, very recent, uh, Jessica Beale posting on Instagram that she was going to meet California legislators to lobby against um, some new uh, pending legislation SB 276, um, which would basically make it harder to receive medical exa- uh, exemptions for getting vaccinated. And she was one of these classic, I'm not uh, quote not against vaccines, but she thinks families should have the right to decide for themselves. Um, and it's also worth noting that she uh, went on this trip with Robert F. Kennedy, who is uh, a noted anti-vax activist, um, whose own family is like, we are not down. Yeah,
1: we don't. He's got like, this. opposition from his family, and I think yeah. it's like he's constantly trying to coast on the Kennedy name, like hoping people will confuse him with the other RFK, and yeah. it's not him. Yeah, um, not he's probably him. the most. Uh, like visible American legislator that like is really anti-vax like he's always involved in anti-vax stuff
0: yeah um Um, he's he's the worst he has uh compared vaccines to the holocaust Um, wait what yeah 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 he's terrible he's and so this is the thing it's like this is who Jessica Biel is tying herself to and so this yeah we can't be fooled by people who are like you do you, I'm gonna do me, you wanna get your kid vaccinated, that's fine, I'm not going to because to our all of our earlier points, you are endangering everybody by uh, choosing not to vaccinate your kids. Um, so a couple of the other celebrities who've spoken out on this, Charlie Sheen, Alicia, Alicia Silverstone, Rob Schneider, uh, Robert De Niro who's another one of these guys. The Robert who- De Niro
1: one really threw me because he um, so he runs Tribeca Film Festival like it's his film festival mm-hmm. and I think in like 2016 or 2017 Robert F. Kennedy the uh, legislator from California yeah. wanted to bring this um, movie Vaxed, which is a terrible name for a movie it's hard to say Vaxed. Um, yeah. He wanted to bring the movie to the Tribeca Film Festival and like I think have it open the festival and De Niro, who has um a son on the autism spectrum, he like had always questioned the safety of vaccines and he um he wanted to bring the movie to the film festival and it there was actually this loads of public condemnation from people yeah. who do the people like were like, I'm not gonna come to the film festival if you don't if you let this vaxxed film um be shown there. Like, I don't want you to give support. So he had to pull the film, but he apparently still Um, like supports RFK? I think that,
0: you know, this is a really interesting question, right? So there's a couple of topics that kind of pop to mind. So one is like, why do we care what celebrities think about this issue? Right. It's like, they're not public health officials. They're not scientists. Why do we put so much stock into what they say? Um, And there's a phrase called the golden halo effect um, by Tim... Durninger of Carnegie Mellon and it's basically this idea of like if we love a celebrity and we respect their work like we just put a lot more weight into everything that they say like Mm -hmm. if Beyonce told us right now that she was mixing mild laxatives into her beet juice every morning like you and I might try it we might be like
1: (laughs) maybe there's some hesitation but I'd be like let me try this no I think there was a line for Beyonce though because like a couple of years ago she tried to drop like a vegan cookbook and was like I'm vegan now and everyone was like what let's just pretend you didn't say this and then just kept moving. So there might be a line for Beyonce, but I do see what you mean. Like if she was like, oh, like every day I like put like pepper on a piece of toast and that's all I eat. You might be like, ooh, I
0: might try the Beyonce diet.
1: I might try it. She's not a
0: nutritionist. Um, (laughs) And yeah. So I think that like, especially in America, celebrities are sort of like our version of royalty um, and it like is illogical, but that status that they play in our minds um, can supersede Uh, kind of
1: like public health experts what people are saying and that Um, I guess that can be really dangerous when it's like something that depends on a large number of the population getting the vaccine I also find it interesting that like I mean I was looking for articles about like rural conservatives maybe who Mm. were against vaccinations and I do really find that the overwhelming amount of people who are against vaccinations are wealthy people whose children maybe go to like smaller schools or they can afford to be homeschooled it's that Kind of, um, because if you're sending your child to like a public school that has like hundreds of people, maybe even up to a 1000, you want to get them vaccinated because you just don't know what might happen. But if you're sending them to like a nice school in Monterey with like 10 people, then you're just going to be like, oh, they're all in my bubble. So I'm just going to trust the Uh, the parents in the school and um I don't want to vaccinate I I I want to be in charge of my my kids own vaccination schedule and I don't think they should be taking all the vaccinations that are available and um I think there's an element of like class to it as well as just like celebrity status yeah no there's
0: yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of privilege of feeling like you have all of the um tools you need and all of the financial resources to like live this alternate reality um where your kid isn't vaccinated which a lot of other people just don't have Um, and i think you know the other reason that this conversation has stayed alive and we touched on it earlier is the way that even the media frames this topic is um, as a debate or a controversy Um, like we have to stop talking about it that way because it's not a debate it's not a controversy it's some people spewing very dangerous lies that endanger public health like That's what's happening, Um, but we don't talk about it that way, where even the research you and I did, right, which was like 17 celebrities who are anti-vax, we're giving them so much platform, and we're not framing it as if uh, 17 celebrities who are endangering public health, like, you know, and so I...
1: (laughs) That would be the title of your, like, headline? That would be the headline if you wrote it?
0: That would be the headline. That would be like, celebrities we love, but are really killing children, Um, which is extreme, but also...
1: Well, there's Not been measles untrue. outbreaks in like Disneyland, like recently. Before we get to Corona, yeah. there's been measles outbreaks in Disneyland and in parts of New York, and it's like a real concern that people are going unvaccinated, and yeah. um, it can become a huge problem down the line.
0: It's been it's been
1: on the rise. Um,
0: I think that there was uh, there was a study where let me where was the study? The study I saw was that uh, oh, Reuters Institute um, at Oxford found that. Um, most engagement, this is specifically around Corona, um, but I would I would have to believe that this is true generally as Instagram and Twitter have taken over um, more of our kind of conversations, that most coronavirus falsehoods came via social media posts by politicians, celebrities, and influencers. So I don't think it's a coincidence that as we've given celebrities more daily platforms to share their thoughts about things, that there has been a rise in popularity in um, not vaccinating your children. Like there is a lot of evidence to your point, like measles and things are breaking out more than they normally would. Fewer people are vaccinating their kids. There's like a growing skepticism of of, um, vaccinations being like a legit thing. Um, And that's happening in conjunction with uh, kind of people going live on Instagram and posting random things on Twitter and resharing articles that they're not reading properly and stuff
1: like that. Just sharing falsehoods. Well, you mentioned coronavirus. Like, I think the, the reason this topic is so relevant today is because Um, of coronavirus and what we can expect when uh, vaccines are being created. So how is that going? Like which celebrities have spoken about it? So um, Madonna
0: was was one who had spoken out. She had posted a video. She has 15 million followers on Instagram. And you know how like Instagram like blurs things that they consider like offensive or like strong content or whatever. So false information. Yeah, she had uh, posted a video Saying that, like, very Jude Law's character in Contagion basically saying that um, the coronavirus vaccine does exist, but they're not releasing it to keep the masses down. And, like, these kinds of this is Madonna. Madonna,
1: yeah. stop sharing conspiracy stop theories. Just, oh my God, <laughs> no, okay. Yeah,
0: so uh, Instagram blurred the video, captioned it false information, then later deleted the post. So um, there was that. There was another one with a Formula One driver, Lewis Hamilton, who I don't know, but I'm just. Well, oh, wait, you don't know. One driver.
1: He's a big deal. It's a big deal. He's a really big F1 driver. He used to date Nicole Scherzinger. That's honestly the most relevant thing about him. I was
0: like, why do you know this Formula One driver? I, I used to like, watch so-
1: For- Formula One. I used to be like a big Formula One person. I had no idea. Huge. Hamilton, like, has always been... He's a, he's a really big deal-, deal in the UK. Huge. And also he did in Nicole Scherzinger, which must have been a journey.
0: I- you know, I, I have learned not only so much about Lewis Hamilton, I've learned so much about you in the last 30 seconds. I had no idea you were an F1 fan. Um, I'm a you, woman 45. of many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a woman of many interests. Okay. Uh, uh, wow, color you know. me very impressed. Um, well, I hate to break it to you, but he shared an anti-vaxxer post, which suggested <laughs> that Bill Gates was lying about vaccine trials, um, and he was forced no. to delete the post and apologize, but like a half apology kind of a thing. Um, just saying, I just have concerns about the uncertainty uh, over side effects about a vaccine that has, in fact, not even been invented yet. So, that's I mean, fun. mean,
1: in sports, I feel like this is really common in sports, but their handlers, like, handle them really well. Because, do you mm. remember um, some behind the scenes over here? Our Halal Girl Summer episode, our first ever episode, <laughs> we had, like, a full 20 minutes on um, Novak Djokovic, who, yes. in my head, I call Novaks Jokovid. because he, he, uh, so Djokovic is like one of the biggest tennis stars in the world. And he, um, he had this tennis championship like set in Mm -hmm. June or early July and uh, in in 2020. And, you know, people told him he should cancel it. Like they're like, you know, things are getting worse. Like no one is getting better, but he was like, no, this is good for the people. Like, I want, you know, the fans to be here. So he like set up this tournament and within like a week, him, his wife, another team player's, another a tennis player's wife, pregnant wife. Pregnant wife, yeah. And his manager had all contracted coronavirus, and they'd had, like, 3,000 people in the stands and, like, had had, like, such huge crowds. And um, he basically was like, if a vaccine comes, I'm not taking it. I don't know what's in it. And his handler had to, like, stop him because it was, like, a live situation. It was, like, Instagram live. Um, so I, I feel like this happens more than we know but like most sports um like maybe their managers are like keeping them at bay um because i because if you think of your body as like a temple and like you're the fittest person in the world and you need to keep it a specific way i can totally see you like internalizing this idea that like anything that like you don't know exactly what's in it or like you know like it's not for sure or there's been like um science that not science but there's been like studies quote-unquote studies Andrew Wakefield kind of studies that say something about a vaccine I can totally see some like mega sports star being like I can't compromise my body
0: I just would never want that job I would never want to be a sports PR handler person who has to stop my celebrity from talking about the vaccine (laughs) like what a terrible job I I can't think of a worse thing that I would personally want to do with my life
1: um Handling wow. celebrities in general, I just wouldn't be able to do it. I would I get fired care. first day for like saying something rude. <laughs> so, that's um, not a job
0: for me. I would not then work for John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, or Wiz Khalifa, who also are peddling the myth that 5G technology is linked to coronavirus. It's just like people, <laughs> I, I mean, like, do you not hear yourself as you say these things? Is it really not occurred to you that people are going to be like, bro, step what? Stop it, that's not that's not a legit thing. Um, but I think one thing that I've actually been really heartened by with the examples that I just um, gave is that people shut them down. Whether it was Instagram, whether it was the press, whether it was just like people's fans being like, you can't say that. Um, people have had to uh, shut up, had to apologize, had to backtrack, had to like delete. Um, at least there is more accountability now. Um, than I think that there had been previously, like even in the time of you know Jenny McCarthy in 2007, um, mm-hmm. which is very long ago, it's 13 years ago. And now we're in a place where, um, yeah, there's a lot more, not enough. Certainly we have a long way to go. Uh, you can still definitely spread a lot of falsehoods. Um, and we've seen that, like I mentioned that study um, that a lot of coronavirus like falsehoods celebrities are, yeah, are shared by celebrities. Yeah. But um, I do think that like I'm seeing kind of more people calling BS, um, which is which is really nice. Um, and I think what I was thinking about going into this episode was the double-edged sword of celebrity platforms, right? Where we are we really praise celebrities for using their platform to encourage mask wearing, encourage social distancing. Um, you know things like that. I think that's been really cool to see. I think another creative mm-hmm. way that people have been um, using their platform is like the pass the mic thing. It's like very specific, oh, yeah. but I, I really like the the pass the mic movement that's happening. Where Julia Roberts in May actually gave her Instagram to Fauci um, to share like yeah actual information about the coronavirus. So I think we are getting better at this, and like I do think it's great when celebrities use their platform for things like this. And when I started this episode, I was like, well, like this is a double-edged sword because what if a celebrity says something you don't agree with? But in this particular case, again, we have to root this conversation in the fact that this isn't a debate. This is not about like celebrities sharing like a political opinion you might not agree with. It's about celebrities sharing like dangerous falsehoods that can endanger the lives of people. Um, And so we can't be like, well, if you're gonna expect celebrities to talk about one issue then you're going to have to expect celebrities to talk about the other. Um, it's like there's science and then there's like full on falsehoods, which is what's happening here. Um, so I think that's sort of like where I landed after this whole, um, episode was just reminding myself, um, this isn't a debate. Um, this isn't debate. And like, we shouldn't just say, Oh, those kooky celebrities, like taking the, you know, unusual (laughs) opinion on this. It's like, Oh no, celebrities using their platform to uh, share information that could, potentially endanger the lives of children so
1: but yeah I think like you know with corona coming up you know back to you know when we watch contagion you know first of all when you think about things like who's gonna get the vaccine how can we ensure that like 90 to 95 percent of people get it and like will we get herd immunity that sort of stuff like celebrities could really play a big part in the way that like Elvis Presley played with the polio vaccine like celebrities really could play like a big part in like coming forward I think Andrew Lloyd Webber this week he um, put himself in one of the Oxford vaccine trials and he like, he's much older and he's like, I will do anything to make sure that there's theater again. So (laughs) um, he's like, I'm going into the trials and like there's people going in and making sure that, um, that we get the safest form of the vaccine. And and that's really awesome. So hopefully when, if slash when a vaccine does arrive, there won't be um, loads of celebrities trying to talk it down or trying to debunk it. And if there, if there will be, we have to prepare
0: Yeah, we We have have to be be ready. We have to be ready and we have to use everything in our toolkit to make sure that we are very clear that what they're sharing is incorrect um, and dangerous um, and condemn them. I think that like we've and we've talked about like cancel culture. We've like this ties to a lot of things we've talked about in Mm -hmm. other episodes. But um, this is one of those moments where we should like really hold celebrities accountable. If you want to speak on public health then the public has a right to respond. Um,
1: So... Look at us tying things together. Look at it. Creating like a narrative. Eight times. Technically nine if you count a bonus episode. Oh, Wink. true. Um, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. I learned a lot. We are now officially women in STEM because yes. we, we studied some Ask science. us anything. Ask us anything about STEM and we will Google it and tell, tell it to you. <laughs> we will read it you. off websites because that's what we do. Really well. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, Mames, are you going to watch another movie today?
0: That's a great question. Do you th- what? Make a recommendation. What should I watch on a lazy Sunday?
1: Ooh, lazy Sunday. Um, do you want, like, something new or something old? Uh, let's go old. How old? Old. Old. Like, old school. Old school. Um, gosh, I don't even know. On a lazy Sunday, old school, you could... Watch. There's this movie called The Grass is Greener. Okay. It's uh, carrie Grant. Oh. And it's one of. It's. So, well, it, exactly. It's from. Okay. It's 1960. 1960 And it's one of those movies where it's like two couples that kind of like switch um, partners in the middle of the movie. But then, you know, it all works out in the end. Um, and it's just really sweet. It's set in England. So, the original life
0: swap, not creepy.
1: Yeah. Not creepy. Oh, it's got Deborah Kerr in it. So that's, that's a true Do you have a recommendation for me? I want to like be able to sleep
0: while I watch this movie. So nothing, none of the usual things that I recommend, which are super anxiety inducing and murdery. Okay. No. Um, (laughs) something cheerful. Um, do you want old or do you want new?
1: I want new. Oh, okay. Not like super, super new, but like contemporary, like 2000. Contemporary.
0: Um, Watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I know that, like... I've never
1: seen it. I know you've never seen it.
0: It's a good Sunday movie. It's, like, just pure entertainment. Everyone looks fantastic um, in that movie. Uh, It's, yeah, it's just, like, Adam Brody is in it, which is relevant to
1: my interests.
0: Yes. Um, Angelina Jolie's legs look amazing, which are relevant to my interests. Like, I just think that um, everyone looks great, and it's just an old-school spy entertainment, like... You know and it's like so culturally relevant because that's where he leaves and uh leaves Jennifer is because of that movie. So, like, you should watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You'll enjoy. I like that. That's okay. I'm gonna watch that. Okay, so we'll, we have to now actually watch these movies and report back next week. Um,
1: let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. I'll be content. you accountable. You can hold me accountable. I will actually watch this movie.
0: Okay, amazing. Um all right, well, if you guys want to watch along with us um, and please do. let us know if you enjoy these movies um, or if you want to give Aisha a hard time for never having seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's embarrassing, um, to be please honest. Please DM us. Um, <laughs> you can find <laughs> us on Instagram and on Twitter at kindoffunnypod. Yes,
1: and um, please rate, review, subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify and wherever you find your podcasts. Um, tell, tell your friends about us, you know, share our share podcast. We love learning about like people who listen to it, who have never met us. I think right now, like our like 20 listeners are just all people we know, but I found someone who has like never met me or you. And I was like, wow, this is organic. We're moving. (laughs) We're going further. So this is fun. Help
0: us, help us spread the word. Um, And uh, yeah, be sure to reach out if you have questions, comments, topic suggestions, but otherwise we will see y'all
1: next week. See you next week guys. Bye.